welcome to Pub Talk TV. We're sort of like a conference panel meets happy hour, and you just never know what's going to happen. So we're very confident that tonight is going to be a blast. We're very excited you're here watching us. And I'll just start the introductions. My name is Kelsey Mackey, and I'm the author of Damsel Distressed. And I'm one of your two hosts this evening. The other is the beautiful Summer Heacock. Woo! <laughs> Why, thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Summer Heacock. I'm an author of contemporary women's fiction, and I'm not wearing any pants. I will be hosting the Ask Pub Talk TV with Kelsey along over at hashtag AskPubTalkTV.com. Or no. Oh, I screwed it up. Ask Pub Talk TV over on Twitter. The hashtag. I give up. <laughs> token mail correspondent. I quit. I'm I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> I I am your senior token mail correspondent. That is my youngest child screaming in the background. And I am Ted Fox, and uh, I wrote a book back on that bookshelf. I'm writing YA now, which is Jessica knows is a funky event for me, but I love it. And uh, I'm drinking grapefruit flavored beer, which I'm hoping doesn't mess with my anxiety medication that says no grapefruit juice. So I'm hoping grapefruit flavored beer is not the same as grapefruit juice. It's so specific. Like, and now, now I'm going to, I'm going to mute, I'm going to mute myself now. So you can't hear my baby. All right. So as always, um, if you have questions for any of our publishing pros, please make sure that you ask them on Twitter live during the show. You can always submit them um, through the website or via email throughout the weeks before the show. But if you're on Twitter now and you'd like to ask a question live, we're always accepting those and Summer's always monitoring the stream. So um, I guess it's time to introduce our pros. Um, we're very excited to have a special guest tonight, so I'm going to have her introduce herself first. We are very excited to have editor Amanda Shi. Hi, um, so I'm Amanda. I work at Tarsha Perigee, which is an imprint at Penguin Random House. Um, we do nonfiction, pretty wide range, and um, I am drinking whiskey. Yay! Yay. I love the ampersand. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and the and the a glass. Oh yeah, it's a very typographic yeah. like, household. <laughs> it's always great to have uh, your name printed on your glass, so you can always yeah. keep track of it. No one will steal it. No, well they'll try. And if someone does, it's proof. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they'll try. That's how threatening that was. <laughs> Excessively. Threatening. Well, our drinks are completely worth stealing. So, all right, we've got some gin. I don't gin. know what I'm drinking. I'll tell you now. Okay. We've got some gin. Cheers, yeah. of course. Ice cubes from your freezer. Um, rose lemonade and uh, grapefruit soda from Italy. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's have the grapefruit tonight. Oh. It's We're like, feeling better. It's Oh, I was going to say, like, it's spring. Great. Oh, two kinds of people. <laughs> two people, one episode. Let's go. <laughs> the most important part is the booze, but obviously introduce yourself, too. We want to make sure everybody knows who you are. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, we're old hats. You don't want to hear about us. But we don't wear hats. Oh, we don't wear hats. Too. Sometimes we wear hats, and sometimes we wear pink. Oh, uh, we were pink on Wednesdays. <laughs> and we were purple on episodes in January. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Um, my name is Roseanne Wells. I'm with the Jennifer D. Chiara Literary Agency. I am drinking whatever Jessica gave me. Mm-hmm. Poison. Uh, poison. <laughs> I have to build up my tolerance, you know, yeah, so that no one can suspect it later. Mm -hmm. This is actually one of those tests when you sign yeah. a client, you're like, choose a cup. 
<laughs> oh, that is cool. Kelsey and Ted lived. It's incredible. <laughs> but who did not make the cut? Yes, we'll never hear from them again. Well, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm looking like a for new I've had a long day. <laughs> I'm looking for new representation from the grave. I did not survive my last literary agent. You know what I learned today? I promise we'll get back on track, Kelsey. You know what I learned today? There is an app to detect the paranormal activity. I am really questioning the science behind this, but apparently it exists. And the top three reviews are all like, yeah, man, it totally works. It's really scary. And then like the next hundred views are like, no way. I could have them. They somehow probably paid to like have three fake ghost yeah, reviews. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, um, on that note, hello, I am Jessica Sinsheimer. Apparently I'm crazy about ghosts. <laughs> it's been a long week, you guys. I'm an it's agent at the Sarah Jane Fryman Literary Agency. Shut up, it's Monday. I know. That's what's <laughs> hard, is it's been a long week. Um, agents always have long weeks by Monday. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was posting screenshots of my calendar last week to prove it. Uh, yes, agent with the Sarah Jane Fryman Literary Agency. Uh, cheese obsessed human. I yeah. like food. What yeah. about your yeah. recent website project? Oh, yes. Manuscriptwitchlist.com 3.0 launch. This is very exciting. Yes, we had two people, Mike, Mike and Sierra, come from uh, Silicon Valley to help us out and make it tech savvy. Everyone That's should cool. join. We had a launch party. It was lots of fun. There were hashtag cookies. There yeah. will be more. Yeah. yeah. I'm always here. I have cookies. cookies. They were delicious. They were delicious. great. Awesome. So are we ready to get started with the first question of the night? Yes. Okay. Tonight is an open question. No theme. Ask us anything. Ask, ask us anything. Yeah. I really love AMAs on Reddit, so I think this is a really cool opportunity. I hope a lot of people send in questions. We have a few from the inbox, and Summer has some from Twitter as well. Um, but let's start off with this one. Uh, Margo said we could use her name, so hello, Margo. Um, this question says, I often hear advice that writers should stick to one genre and category, like middle grade only or adult only or romance only and so forth. I'm told it's primarily for marketing and building readership and the relationships that agents have with certain editors. Is this true or is there wiggle room for experimentation? Let's start with the agents and then we'll go over to Amanda. I would say um, you do not have to write in one category only. There are some caveats. Sometimes you might feel more comfortable writing under a pseudonym if you're writing really dark, sexy, gritty YA and picture books so that your audiences sort of feel a little bit more separate. Or sometimes with adult category and children's, you can have a separate pseudonym. It does, I think it does influence your choice of agent. You mm -hmm. want to choose an agent who hopefully would represent all the categories that you're interested in. And I, I don't think you should limit yourself at this point in what you're interested in writing. I think it's really important to follow what you're interested in. I mean, if you yeah. absolutely love something, I think you should go ahead and explore that. Um, yes, of course, it's a matter of branding. Like, if you're writing erotica on one hand and picture books on the other, you yeah. probably should use two different names. Um, this uh, yes, I, is I something that happens. I wouldn't say erotica, but, like... Yeah, Even just branding just like, yourself, yeah. making a consistent um, fan base for yourself, and you can have two separate fan bases. Obviously, it depends on your representation. Personally, I'm interested in so many things that I can't imagine that being an issue, but that really depends. Some people like to specialize so they can know a few things really, really well, and that's absolutely a valid way to um, go about it. So I think it depends who you're working with. And there are authors who have more than one agent. Like, mm -hmm. they're 
primary agent only represents nonfiction, which is mm-hmm. a very popular category for agencies yeah. to be only nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to write children's, so they go and get a children's book agent for their children's work. Yeah, and Ted just switched work. from adult nonfiction to yeah. uh, YA fiction, and that's going great. So, like, hey, proof it can work. Wait, I actually did not need to switch agents. He did not need to switch agents because he's awesome. And I'm glad I, I'm glad you just said it was going great. That was good. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I haven't given you notes yet, have I? Going great. <laughs> but no, the having two agents thing, I'm, I have two agents. It's not particularly uncommon. I know several people who do that for different genres or different reasons, like if they have a newer agent and then a more seasoned agent kind of tag teaming at the same time. So lots of reasons. But I don't think you should feel discouraged from exploring all of your options in what you want to write. However, uh, nonfiction and fiction do have different requirements, right? Amanda, like you would, yeah. you would want, you would look for something different in your, in your nonfiction inbox. Yeah, definitely. You would look yeah, for absolutely. Yeah. 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 I would never in- encourage someone to only write one thing. Um, my only caveat as like the editor evaluating a submission would say like, if say it's someone who has like a huge, really successful YA track record, but they want to write like an intensive nonfiction book about underwater basket weaving and they have no <laughs> no platform whatsoever related to underwater basket weaving, that's where my questions would come. Like if you're gonna do something else, make sure you also have a background and a platform in that on which to build. And it has nothing to do with your other platform. It's just what do you have? What are you going to offer to support what I would publish? Mm. I really want to pre-order the book on underwater basketball. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, one of my odds blurbed for it. It was excellent. Yeah. <laughs> um, Amanda, would you go into a little bit more about, like, why your fan base from your successful YA series would not translate into a nonfiction book necessarily? Is there some sort um, of and carrying those fans over or yeah um marketing issues or yeah i think it's kind of like a mixture of marketing issues and also you know we can't guarantee that those fans are going to follow this author to this you know random nonfiction book um and it really it's very case by case as any submission is um you know, say like John Green decides he wants to do a nonfiction book, his fans are going to follow him because he's John Green and people know him. And his fans love him, not just necessarily his writing. But say you're someone who has a really successful series, maybe someone's not going to follow you to your nonfiction book about, you know, underwater basket weaving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's more about the fan base carryover than anything. And if you, if that author could prove, for example, that their fan base would follow them, that's a completely different story. Like, if they had written several YAs... That, About underwater basketball. I mean, <laughs> that happened to be set at a small liberal arts college yes. that specialized yeah. in underwater basketball. <laughs> you know, written a bunch of articles or, like, done, like, BuzzFeed posts or whatever about... You know, whatever their other other interest is, (laughs) and those had, you know, tracked well with their base, then that would be something they could do to show that these people are still interested in this other thing that they're also doing. I want to see that listicle on BuzzFeed. (laughs) (laughs) So much. Top five worst things you could do for underwater basket weaving. (laughs) Number one, get us all scuba tanks. 17 (laughs) underwater woven baskets that you need for your apartment. (laughs) Cats. 
sitting in underwater basket weaving. Wait, is your apartment underwater? <laughs> Maybe you come on like strap on your scuba tank, open the door. You're like, sorry, neighbors. <laughs> I mean, no, there is nothing practical about underwater basket weaving. No. I love the direction that we've taken tonight. Like, I think we're doing the Lord's work here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about a question that was emailed in? I think this might be from somebody anonymous. Um, this is more for the agents. Is there a stigma attached to previously agented writers who are once again looking for representation? If so, any suggestions for minimizing? I would say no stigma, but if I am interested in the book and we have a talk, I am going to ask, so what happened? Why did you uh, part ways? Usually it's, you know, something uh, summer. I'm trying to talk, and what you're I like posting. I didn't tell you. It wasn't me. It was Ted. I was just Yours was more noticeable because it had a lot of teams. It was in all caps. Yeah. That's a lot of teams. That's a lot of teams, Summer. <laughs> a lot of teams, Summer. Get it, get it together, Summer. Screenshot, put on Twitter. So <laughs> he started it. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, Ted's setting. We can't not read stigma. that Ted. stigma. <laughs> oh, I was just asking if they no, want me to take that question off Twitter next. That's that's not as okay. okay. So that's real. I, that was real. I don't think there's any stigma about having a previous being previously agented, whether you sold a book with them or not. But I will ask, um, you know, what what happened, and it's usually because, um, you know miscommunication, you know, your styles of communication didn't mesh or because uh, the editorial feedback on your last book was not right or they didn't connect to it. And so, you know, they, they were not interested in where you were growing as a, as a writer or an author, or, you know, you didn't feel that they were growing with you. And so you part ways, which is, you know, and then if I know them, I'm going to call them and be like, yo, Jess, uh, what happened? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, she's cool. Or like, She no. tried to poison me. Yeah, she, <laughs> she tried to slowly poison me. And I'll be like, And it was oh, a bad no. kind of poison. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> fair. I drank both cups. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, no, I got a very high tolerance for poison, so I'm good. Or like, oh, no, that's bad. So, for a little um, bit of like real life application, I left my first agent for those exact reasons. We just the genre thing didn't match up like it was a genre she really wanted to work with but we weren't quite there on it we parted on really good terms and when I queried all the agents that offered asked the same thing like so what happened and it was hey we're still good buds just didn't work out professionally but there was no stigma I had multiple offers literally within 24 hours of querying so I and I know so many people who've left their first agents or even their seconds and had no problem finding another one so Let's just say 24 hours is not normal. Yeah. We just <laughs> yeah. Summer is special. We know summer is very special. I would say there's no. Not summer really... just sent like a lot of money to these people. I, I bribed really hard, really. Yeah. And the AR is like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> the AR is like, slap a 50 to the back of that query. I'm telling you, people, don't do that. In case that did not translate into sarcasm, don't actually do that. No, no, don't send anything. Um, I would say that there's not really a stigma. If anything, it can be an advantage because it's like, hey, someone else saw fit to represent you. Clearly, you are talented to a certain degree. They're willing to take a risk on you in terms of time. Um, 
And I would second what everybody said that it usually has to do with communication. A lot of people just have, there's so many communication styles out there. You need someone who lines up with you on so many different levels and someone you're so comfortable with that you can just be like, hey, here's this crazy idea. What do you think? Mm. As opposed to feeling like you have to, I don't know, go to five or 10 CPs to be like, is this good enough to send to my agent? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, you know, some people are scarier than others. It's just a matter of who you feel comfortable with, who you feel comfortable growing with. We understand this. I have a lot of previously represented uh, clients who were with other people. It didn't work out. I have some people who, you know, we parted ways because it didn't work out. Um, we know that it's not always like a value judgment on you as a person. Right. I think the bigger question is, is the project that we're interested in, has that been on submission? Because yeah. that will limit our options a lot too. There are a lot of rules about who can see what. Um, we don't want to break those rules. We want to respect the editors. Um, Amanda, I think you can chime in a little bit about the rules at Penguin because we hear different Everything yeah, every time. house is set up a little bit differently. Yeah. Right. So um, in terms of who can see what submissions is mm -hmm. your question. Um, right. So obviously, if, you know, this author has been previously published, then you have an option built in the contract. Um, and then it's a whole other thing if um, you get into an auction situation and only um, an imprint within like the penguin house, the penguin umbrella and the, and the random house umbrella are involved. If there's not a third party and it's just those two, then you, it's, um, I think we can match, but we can't go above each other. So it becomes kind of the beauty contest stage. Um, that's interesting. Well, and it's also a situation we don't want to make you uncomfortable because we know right. that a lot of houses can't like bid against each other, and we don't want yeah. you to have that situation where you're like, "I want it, no, I want it too." Wait, we're colleagues, we were friends, but we want the same thing. We don't, we're not anymore. We don't want it to, to make it awkward for you. And so, right. like, I personally have this whole matrix of like, this person can get this thing when they when they say yeah. no, then this other person can get this. Like, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but we also want it to be in as many hands as possible at the same right. time. Yeah. So no publishing Hunger Games is what you're saying, which is yeah. really disappointing. Yeah. Um, only cage match. <laughs> so we've here. talked about this before, Summer. <laughs> publishing cage match. I just like to be reminded. It's like a soothing bedtime story. <laughs> um, and and some places, you know, you can submit to multiple imprints. Mm -hmm. if, you but if you if you go into an auction situation, they'll put together a house yes. of it. Yeah. And um, so it, it, yeah, it really depends. And on with children's, oh my gosh, like don't even get me started on the Harper rules. Like I just no <laughs> reading groups within the imprint. Like oh, let, yeah. let's not even touch that next topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, as we said, every house is run differently. Let's just so. say it's incredibly complicated. We don't yeah. want to hurt anyone's feelings. But <laughs> that's why when we see that something's gone out, this is perhaps an issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it's better to just start fresh. Mm -hmm. How's the baby, Ted? Are you ready for your question? I, I am. I think she's giving me a win window here. So <laughs> this is from uh, Adana Washington on Twitter, who asked, if in working on an R&R, a writer completely changes the story, would it be okay to requery agents that have already said no previously? Hmm. Um, making for me, it really depends on how drastic the story change is. And why I said no in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because if you change the plot, but I'm still not connecting with the characters, then that's not going to do a lot for me. However, me as a person who sometimes has FOMO, the fear of missing out. <laughs> we all do. I, yeah, I feel like it's a publishing thing. Yeah. Um, I would rather see it than not. Mm -hmm. But that is not an industry standard. That is 
personal thing for me. And sometimes this has happened recently where I read a query and I'm either like debating about it or I've deleted it. And then I see the pitch in an, a Twitter contest. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. I want that. And then I request the pages and then I read it and I was like, oh, this is why I had passed on it mm-hmm. or this is why I had put it to the side. And so if you could give me an, a new reason to look at it, then I get much more excited than if if it's still essentially the same story, but you've changed sort of cosmetic details about it. I actually had something that was in my inbox, and then she went through, um, she got some CPs, she went through an online contest, and suddenly it brought out all these amazing qualities that were always there. They were just buried in all this stuff that didn't need to be there. And thankfully, I hadn't rejected it. I was like, okay, there's a lot of good stuff here. I was was thinking about it. I was like, well, let me think about some ways to, like, give her some edits, right? So I was just sitting on it, you know, as you do when you're like, I'm not totally sure. I'll move on to something more urgent because there's so much that's so urgent. (laughs) Um, And she was like, hey, I have this revision. And I ended up taking it on because it just sparkled Mm -hmm. after this. And so that's a little bit different. Um, I would say that if I gave a specific reason and you have changed that one thing that I said, this is why I said no. Like if, for example, I'm like, I'm creeped out by angels, which I am. I think they're terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, if you took them all out and you're like, it's zombies instead. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm giving paranormal examples. I'm not saying that like, you know, yay, paranormal. I'm just saying like, as an example, that could make the difference. I think in general, I usually say no to revisions. In general, it's... Um, People are like, hey, I'm going to requery this. You saw this before. Here's the difference. Unless that one line of, like, here's what's different is really succinct and really good, I'm probably going to say no. But, again, fear of missing out, I would want to see that email that's like, here's what I've changed. And that's different than if that agent has requested that Mm R&R. Like, if I request an R&R, I expect to see that manuscript again. Mm -hmm. And um, I will often ask for an exclusive because... Um, that's my, those are my notes. Oh, an exclusive and, revision. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes that happens on the editor side too, where, you mm-hmm. know, if you see a, a manuscript or a proposal that's really interesting, but it's just not quite there, the agent will get an R and R and then that will usually be on exclusive, but mm-hmm. not always. Well, it's a lot of work to go for a manuscript. You don't want someone yeah. to be like, I took too many of your notes. They're amazing. And I'm going with someone at writer's house, you know, yeah. like, I mean, that happens all the time, all the time. You know, you're like, Amanda's nodding. Writer's house doesn't know that we have a feud, but we do. We don't have a feud. We're just like, mm-hmm. you're, I have a, I, I'm angry at a lot of people who don't know that I'm angry at them. So I'm like, I'm ready, you stole this thing. They're like, oh. You know, I, I want your list or, you know. Whatever. See, like, I feel like there's one book that, like, like five years ago, and I'm still sad that I lost <laughs> this book. But I spoke with the agent who got it today, and she's so lovely. I can't hate her. <laughs> That's the that's the double-edged sword of that. It is. It's like, I'm still really sad, but I, I like her. So, yeah. <sighs> And you're like, okay. well, fine. So publishing have, struggle is so real. We have a question for oh, Amanda. Right. Okay, we have a question yeah. for Amanda. The question is essentially, um, how is the editorial process different for nonfiction? There are lots of people who think they'd like to try and dabble in nonfiction, particularly the narrative nonfiction, mm-hmm. and they're just curious like, what the editorial process um, might be like if it's different than the fiction process. 
Um, it's somewhat different, and I mean, from the get-go, it's different in that what I get is a proposal and not a full manuscript, um, which saves me a lot of reading time, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but um, also, it's just, I would say it's a little more structural editing. Um, I mean, it's obviously, like, we'll do the line edits if it needs it, but it's usually... Um, I mean, what I do is mostly kind of practical nonfiction, but I think even with narrative nonfiction, it's going to be a lot of, you know, this chapter belongs here instead of here, like this chunk goes here and, you know, how, how is the reader going to follow this? So it's not necessarily super different, but I think you're moving and changing things for slightly different reasons. And agents, are there any differences in how you want writers to handle sending you their nonfiction projects? Well, we want a proposal in sample chapters versus the whole thing. I think with fiction, it's easier to move stuff around and be like, okay, well, you're going to write this thing. I can get a sense of how you're going to write this thing. Platform people are important. With fiction, it's all about the narrative arc. Right. And we'll see the narrative arc in a proposal, but in nonfiction, it's just a little bit easier to sort of get a feeling from the proposal of how things will be. Whereas I would never want to see a fiction manuscript on proposal because I don't know how it's going to make me feel. I don't know how it's going to turn out. There's a lot of sort of things that could go wrong if I saw uh, like a YA manuscript on proposal. Um, not that there, there aren't people that do that, but it, uh, especially for debut authors, it's a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. So you just want to make sure that they have all of their words planned out, but in in nonfiction, it's a little more, um, I don't want to say formulaic, but it's its a little bit, you can see that there's a, a structure mm -hmm. that you don't have to really make up. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, you have to, you know, you have the introduction, and then you talk about the technique or the diet or the whatever, and then you um, wrap it up. It's a little more. Usually each chapter is kind of a unit you can move yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in, yeah. It's like if the structure of a nonfiction book doesn't work when you get it, you can fix that. If a structure of a fiction book doesn't make sense when you get That's it, hard. it's a lot harder to fix. That's really hard. Yeah. That's actually a very good way of putting it. Like, I was like, uh, thing. Yeah, drag so. and drop. <laughs> All right. Okay, so this is kind of a long question uh, that was from the emails. Um, I'm going to try to pare it down a little bit. Uh, essentially, it's somebody that they've got a full request out with, and they thought that this was a very reputable agent um, from a reputable agency with lots of sales, lots of bestsellers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then when they got a little bit more diggy in the Googles and whatnot, um, they found some schmagenty signs, and I have to point this out because I've never heard anything like this before, but lots of posts on Absolute Right and whatnot. But one writer even went so far as to write a memoir about her negative experience with the publishing industry, all because Whoa. of her year with this agency. Whoa. I know. That's hardcore. And I got to find yeah. that memoir. Like, But this now. agent does have legitimate sales? Well, the agency does. And they had no reason to think that the agent was a schmagent because of oh, the no. agency. So uh. the question is, is a handful <laughs> of disgruntled vocal ex clients normal for any literary agency that's been around a while? Well, to some degree, yes, because you're going. Yeah. There are going to be hurt feelings. The stakes are so high. There's so little control. So personal. You're, yes, it's so personal. You're trying to create this thing together, and frankly, that's kind of magic. Like creating mm -hmm. something with another person and putting it in the hands of someone who loves it and can get it past the sales team. That is 
completely wonderful and sometimes rare. I mean, it's something that we're doing on faith because we love it, right? It doesn't always work out. And when it doesn't work out, people get hurt. And when people get hurt, they take to the internet. So I would say that every so often, bad things happen to good people. Good people go on the internet. Bad things are said about good people. Yeah. Depends what they're saying. If they're like, oh, by the way, they're charging us reading fees. That's yeah. an issue. I'm going to say it really depends on what the charges are against yeah. this supposed schmagent. Like if, you know, if they're not getting back to people, that's one thing. If they're but define money, getting back to people. I mean, yeah, it's so nebulous. It's so, you know, if they're buying and saying that they took books out on submission that they did not or why would anyone do that i hear that all the time why oh would anyone God. do that no i've i've had several people leave their agents for that exact reason no but exactly like why would that even be a thing that doesn't help anybody no because uh an agent gets overwhelmed or they fall behind or they're not a very good agent like i don't know okay we're all crazy I mean, but like that's not going to do anyone any good no and it's it's harmful to the author Certainly. Well, yeah, hold some limbo. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah, it sort of for me it depends on what the charges are, and if they're at a reputable agency that is doing good work, maybe talk to some of the other agents' clients and make sure that they're on the up and up as well. Though of course they're going to refer you to the people who they know will say good things. I've honestly, I've always found it really helpful to talk to the, because the agents always refer you to their really nice clients that are going to butter you up and be your new best friend, which is fine. But I find it extremely helpful to track down a few people who used to be with that agent and ask why they left. Because I've, I mean, I've had people who've left on really great terms and they've said, oh, this agent was actually really good. We just weren't a good fit. Super wanted it to work. Here's why it didn't. And then I've had, no, seriously, girl, freaking run, you know, like it, it just depends on who you get. But I, I find that there's a little bit more honesty. Wait, run you- why? Because Sorry, wait, wait, no, we're on live TV. Because Sorry. they're terrible communicators. Hang around for the after show. I can pass you some things. But, I mean, there's some really dramatic stuff right? yeah. in publishing that people don't ever talk about because they don't want to besmirch somebody's reputation or they don't want to get known for, like, starting some shiz. But, I mean, it's still a thing that happens, and I just feel like you get a more honest profile if you combine sort of people who used to work for the agent or used to work with the agent and then people who also work with the agent combined because if you find a negative thing online it's going to be there because that person was probably really pissed when they wrote it and it's mm-hmm. not going to be as balanced as if you just call somebody up out of the blue email and say hey can you tell me why you left this person yeah it's like the product reviews where they're like oh ups dropped it and it bounced my electronic doesn't work it's terrible yeah exactly yes <laughs> Yeah, no, if you just ask somebody out of the blue, you're going to get a lot more sensible thing if you try to find something that was written in a moment of angry passion. Right, or like, I mean, and again, it goes back to why people leave agents. Sometimes there's not good communication. Sometimes, you know, they spike their drink with poison. (laughs) It varies. And that agent's currently in jail. And that agent is currently (laughs) in jail. Reporting live. It's so unfair. from jail. Yeah, I would would say, like, if your agent is currently incarcerated. Oh, God. I would recommend looking for a new agent. I swear we're not. They're going to have limited access to to emails and whatnot. But there there are so many reasons you can leave a person and so many reasons you can be angry with them. I mean, like, sometimes they just think you're one thing and you're not. Like, like, don't you think that there's someone who's like, who, like, if someone were to interview all of a person's exes, 
they would not come up with like a lot of good stuff, you know? Oh, I literally threw up a little bit at the thought of that. Don't ever anyone do that to anyone. (laughs) Well, for example, I had a client who we parted ways because she thought I was not communicating very well. And I was like, I literally just moved and you broke up with me while I'm unpacking my boxes. So that's savage. That's I I think this is okay. Mm -hmm. I think this is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, how could you do this to me? I'm moving for God's sake. (laughs) But then I was like, you know what? You know, that she needed more attention than I could give her in that moment. Amanda's really glad she's an editor, right? (laughs) Amanda. (laughs) But I I also appreciate the front lines. (laughs) I also think that it's got to be really important that that writers are willing to communicate if something's not going the way that they want it to go. Like, the fact that somebody broke up with you while you're packing, like, there should have been way, way more conversation before I'm breaking up with you, you know? Like, yeah, it's it's really, you know, in, hard in, for some people to be direct, I guess, but, like, yeah. conversation is the key to, like, making a relationship. some people are too direct. Well, <laughs> I, myself... Uh, like to be very honest and some people find that very off-putting but I also like to be very kind and some people find that off-putting they want an agent that's going to be really hard on them that's going to be you know a real uh ball buster and I'm just not really that way why do you want someone who yells at editors and slams like their fist on desk yeah you know like you will give me a million dollars bam oh wait sorry million dollars not enough But you know what? And it's also really good. Just reach out to people like, um, I mean, I make it a point to try to know about agents. So if you have questions about agents that you're querying to ask me questions and I'll help you. Somebody else who's really good is, uh, Dahlia Adler. She knows everything about everyone. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. Brenda is an amazing resource to go to for anything. She knows everybody and everything about everybody, and she's such a kind person and would do anything to help somebody get the information that they need to make the right choice. So just look around the writing community. So not necessarily just the clients of that person or former clients of that person, just we are all here to help. I, I think she starts. She starts every time she knows I'm about to talk. So I. <laughs> she is so your daughter. I was gonna say I think Jenny's been talking to me like just get him to stop talking much. So I will ask the next question quickly and then I will remute myself. But it's gonna be a good one for both Amanda and the agent. How do you feel about books with cliffhangers from a debut author? Amanda, why don't you start? <laughs> Um, well, for me, I mean, I work in nonfiction, so it's not often an issue. So I can't speak to that from my own personal experience. But I assume. I mean, How to steal the Mona Lisa or don't. <laughs> I can't speak to that from my own personal experience. With the Mona Lisa. <laughs> Amanda, yeah. do you have some secrets mm. behind that fridge of yours? 
Well, I'm not showing you guys the full apartment. There's a vault behind the ampersand. <laughs> yeah. No, she's looking at the Mona Lisa over her. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. That's why she can't do a panorama. We're rolling over on you, baby. Sorry. <laughs> The police are going to confiscate PubTuck TV as evidence. No! <laughs> we are on a roll tonight, professional as hell. Woo, more drinks. <laughs> okay, Rosie, why don't you take Ted's question. What do you think about cliffhangers, projects that are really set up to have sequels from debut authors? I, I Is the question... Do I like cliffhangers or do I like cliffhangers from debut authors? That. I don't Someone sending you a project oh. with a massive cliffhanger and they're brand new. And I don't really know what um, what being a debut novelist has to do with it. I guess, uh, I guess I if I'm guaranteed you have another book deal, is it okay yeah. to publish something that you think is only going to have one book or may only have one book? Well, in, in publishing, we always say, you know, this should stand alone and have serious potential. So if you look at Harry Potter or Percy Jackson or any of these big series, the books can stand alone, right. but they get picked up for series because they're very popular and they make good series. Um, I personally don't like true cliffhangers, uh, but that's just because I, I don't want to wait nine months to a year and a half to read the next book. So often what I do is I wait till all the books come out and then I binge read them, which is it's me. not what you should do. You should pre-order all of your books. Yes. Very important. Um, to hike Jessica's face, though. <laughs> I like the puppy. It's Pepper. Pepper Ray. Hi. Hi, Pepper Ray. The puppy has a cliffhanger for you. Yes, she does. She was the one who made the very famous appearance last show. <laughs> no, she's not cat butt. She was dog butt. You guys... You twisted it. It was dog butt. And our cats are also fluffy. You wouldn't have been able to see anything anyway. Mm. I can turn it around and prove it. I mean, if you need oh, a refresher, but I figured. Yeah. I think I think one butt was out. Oh, that's right. That's when Jessica left us alone. Hi, Jessica. Hi. <laughs> okay, true confession time. I have Nothing happened weird on the last episode at all. It was. I'm sure boring. you were perfectly. It lovely. was very boring. Okay, I'm sure it we was. Have, we have another question. This yeah. oh. one is kind of specific, so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit too. Um, it looks like a small press made an offer on this manuscript, and they, you know, gave them their, you know, relatively small advance, and they started the process, and things just kept getting weirder and weirder, and eventually the author said, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to pay back the advance, and I'm going to take my rights back, and I'm going to query this again. Question is, how much of this conversation needs to be in the query letter? Like, do you need to say that it was picked up and then you pulled it? And how do you handle this delicate situation? If it wasn't published, right, then it's still a manuscript in progress. Still a debut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I um, would say that for most awkward things, you can bring it up in the offer call. Yeah. I mean, there are so many awkward things that could come up or things that the agent needs to know that they don't necessarily need to know right away, but you don't want to be that person who's lying. You yeah. don't want to be that person who signs someone on false pretenses, both for them and for you, because you don't want to constantly have that worry of, like, what if they find out? No, I don't want to find out six months later. Oh, that's bad. When I'm about to go on submission with your manuscript. Oh, that's really like, bad. That would be bad. <laughs> wow. You can't go to this house because... 
They already saw it, and they paid money for it, and then I gave that money. And that's one of those situations where it's like, if only you just told them, it'd be okay. The fact that you didn't is now a red flag and is now a fireable offense. Oof, that would be bad. That's bad. I mean, to me, like, you lied to me. You straight up withheld important business information. I would not feel good about that. About firing someone for that? No, I would not feel good about them not telling me. Would I fire them? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. But, like, oof. For me, it's a red flag at least, a fireable offense at most. I I mean, I know the the first time Jessica and I talked on the phone, that was part of that process, is there were a couple things, like, that made no sense to... Put in a query when you have a limited amount of time and you want to get across the information about your book. Hmm. And maybe you touch on something briefly. But, yeah, when you have that hour-long phone call with an agent for the first time, like, you definitely have the window of opportunity if you need to say anything like, hey, I couldn't put this in my query. But, like, and there's no reason not to do that. So if you want to have a good relationship with that person and open communication, I think you're both exactly right. Like, like any other relationship, don't start offline, even if it's just a lie of omission. Like, that can be just as bad because people talk and people know each other, and you don't want someone else to be the one telling your agent that six yeah. months from now. And you have to be so open to create with somebody. If you, if you feel like anyone's holding anything back, and I feel like inevitably you will sense that then it's just going to hurt that process. And I'll be, I'll be honest here. There are times when people tell me things that are like in that moment, it's that offer call and they know they have to come clean with me right away. There have been times people have told me things that have really scared me and I've had to be like, okay, I love this enough that I'm willing Mm -hmm. to take that risk. And that's, that's real. Then you know that you really like it, right? If you, if you're willing to like go through something hard or confront something really scary or something that to you personally just happens to be something you're really afraid of to like trying to sell a YA quiet novel. I mean, that's like, that's that's not that scary. That's not that scary. But, you know, sometimes there's that one thing where it's, like, you feel like the world is conspiring against you to, like, mess with you. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I love this book so much. It is worth it. I also would like to point out that this is why you should not submit to small presses and query agents at the same time. Ooh, yeah. That is also really annoying because then people try and use the offer from the small press to get an agent, which feels like weirdly, like, I don't know, like bribery or like, like trying to leverage an offer out of me when I, yeah, it's like, it, it just feels. I have a deadline. (laughs) Obviously I have a deadline, but also like, you know, now we have limited options whenever we go out on sub, like, do you, it's, it's just different goals. Well, it's like either burn a bridge and take your chances or yeah, this is why I always start at the top. I'm like first choice people first. See what happens. Amanda would be in the top choice, by the way. Obviously. We like you very much. Yeah. Yes. Um, so first choice people first, then see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Amanda, yeah, again, is like, Ferguson I'm so glad about an aging. Definite first choice. Just saying. I mean, all Oh, TS is amazing. Oh, yeah. We only have top quality people on Pep Talk TV. Oh, yes. Obviously. And pets. So many pets. Uh, here's a question for, um, Amanda. What is the nature of a relationship between a nonfic editor and an author? I wouldn't say it's that, I mean, I obviously haven't worked a lot in nonfic or in fiction editing. Um, a lot of my internships were actually in fiction editing, but, 
Um, I wouldn't say it's significantly different than the relationship between a fiction editor and the author. Um, I'm still working very closely with the author on the voice and, you know, making sure that we create like the best final products that we can together. I think there's probably the biggest time that it's different is when it comes to the marketing publicity stuff, um, because nonfiction is often so kind of platform based. Um, there's a lot more like, I think they, um, like a, a first time nonfiction author is going to be called on to do quite a bit of just like interviewing and radio stuff that necessarily, maybe like a fiction author might not necessarily have to do. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's the same. We all have the same goal, whether you're a fiction editor or a nonfiction editor. It's just to make the best final book that you can and work really closely with the author, develop a good relationship, make sure, you know, you're communicating, you're compromising, um, and just have an open, creative, collaborative process. At least that's how I try to go into it whenever I'm working with someone. Yeah, sounds great. Mm -hmm. You're right. She is top class. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, agents, we have another question. Um, this is an anonymous question from the inbox. Um, it looks like the question says, my agent tells me that she loves my work and is actively submitting it, but after a year of representation, I have no way to be sure. She has not shared any rejections or submission information, even after multiple requests. For all I know, my material could as easily be at 50 publishers as it could be at zero. Whoa. And the follow-up and the follow-up to that is that she doesn't want to be one of those people that like doubts the professionals who are working for her. So what does she do? Okay, first of all, why in the world would anyone like say they're submitting something and not submit it? It doesn't make sense because there are agents. But like, why that, would you do that? What's the point? No one's making any money. Why would I you mean, do that? You, that would you make me so uncomfortable. And I don't. And like, if this is an industry standard kind of thing, please correct me. But like, to not know where I was being subbed and to not have any of the feedback on any of the submissions, I would freak out. No, if anything, no. I like, this is, I probably error the other where I'm like, here's your letter, here's your list, here's like every rejection and every word of it ever. Tell me if I'm telling you too much. I'm an oversharer. This is perhaps a problem sometimes, but in <laughs> agenting, maybe it makes people feel better. I always, um, one of the things that I sort of know about myself and like to uh, give to my clients as an option is I ask them, how do you want to receive Sure. Uh, feedback. Uh, I have a client who wants to hear only negative news Ooh. once a month. Ooh. Once a month. So she's not always like, oh my God, it's an email. It's a rejection. So, you know, she can like get on with her life. Ouch. The good news, yes, send away. A lot of my clients want to hear news as it comes, whether it's good or bad. Most want the feedback directly from the editor so that if we go into uh, revisions later, or when we start on a new project, they have more feedback to work with. But I will always, it, the thing that really concerned me about that question was if she's asked for yeah. the information multiple times and she's not getting it, then that's a concern for me. Oh, that's so, I still don't get why anyone would do that. But because it's like so fake fancy to be an agent, but like, it doesn't really. Okay. But where's the money coming from? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, 
there are lots of ways to earn schmagency money. Oh, oh, that's so gross. Oh, that makes me icky. I don't like it. <laughs> it's okay, shower. Uh, Summer, just wash it off. Wash it off. So do you do you have any words of advice? Do you think that she should schedule a phone call, like, real quick? Yeah. Um, or even, I mean, she might not in this situation get a phone call, but if it's just like, hey, what's my list? Want to know what my options are? What has everyone said? Can I make any edits because of what everyone has said? I would like to know by this date, you know, a couple weeks from now, um, would like to know what my options are. Yeah. Um, Where, where do you see the submission going? Should I write write something else? Like what, what should I do now? Like frame it as what should I do now? Instead instead of like, where's my list? Instead of like, I think you're a schmajor. Don't do that. No, no, no. That's going to be off-putting. But, you know, if, if your agent continues to be shysty, then, like... Girl, run. Oh, I don't understand. No, the, God, that was seriously, that makes me so uncomfortable. Like, I can't... And, and, I mean, especially if she's asked, and, I mean, if she's asked in the way... I'm assuming this is a girl. I don't know if it's a girl. But um, if she's asked in the way that you just said, and you're getting nowhere, I'm not... Again, I'm not an agent. I can say whatever I want. Girl, run. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could understand if someone hadn't forwarded something for like a couple of days. Oh well, I get yeah. I get behind because yeah. my, my inbox fills up. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, did I send this to you? I'm sending it to you now, and mm-hmm. they're like, you didn't, but now you did. But, but I'm like, like oh, I want people to see for a year and to not have any feedback for a year. That would be terrifying. I think that's a real problem. I want people to see the feedback because then they can see, A, if I said the same thing, it's not just me. B, if there's a pattern, hey, there's a pattern. And C, C, I sent it out. out. (laughs) You actually put it on submission. I mean, there have been situations where I have a client whose previous agent um, may or may not have sent out one of her previous projects. And so I just, if you've seen her on everything, because it's like, or, you know, I will uh, call the agent. That they oh. supposedly, no, the, sorry, the editor that ah. they supposedly submitted to. And I say, because this happened to me very early in my agenting career. Um, these clients came to me and said, we're clients of your agency, but this person has not put out our book. And so I called all of the editors and there was like a list of 10 editors that had the book on submission. And I think one of them had it. And so That's from so my perspective, all I could do was to make sure that these clients were now in the loop on everything mm-hmm. so that they, so I could regain their trust both in me and in agenting and in traditional publishing because it's behavior like that, that, you know, really screws it all up for the rest of us. Well, and it also makes it, I mean, it's like, I'm seeing this point where it's like, does someone think that if it's been 48 hours and I haven't forwarded a letter from an editor and I'm like, no, I'm just behind. I need more coffee. No, there's a difference between like busy getting poisoned. Yes. That does take time. (laughs) Give your agents time to poison each other guys. It's really important. It's just a consideration thing. Do one to others. So like give time for the poison to kick in. Uh, Ted, do you have a question, sir? I do have a, a question from Twitter from our, friend Roseanne Foster on Twitter, who we know well. And I think we could answer, unlike my first one that I kind of shouted over the baby, I think this (laughs) is a good one for both editor and agent. Um, You can kind of fill in 
pages slash queries slash pitch from an agent. But what are the biggest things that make you fall no. in love with sample pages, queries, a pitch from an agent? What's the things that make you say, wow, okay, I got to, I got to read this. I got to read more. I don't know. Oh, if, if I could quantify that, I would make a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's oh, no, I couldn't because of the AR, but like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what are some want, things that you like? Yeah. Did Can you want to start on that formula? one? Uh, yeah, Amanda, you want to? Yeah, Amanda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think I have an easier time of it because it's gone through you guys before it gets to me. So I think one person has that aha moment before it even gets to me, which is always helpful. But I mean, it's it varies by editor, at least um, from my perspective, it varies by editor what um, gets someone's eyes to light up kind of when they see something. But I guess it would just, you know, it's, you know, strong writing, it's a strong platform um, if you're doing nonfiction. And I just like, what I always respond to is just a really authentic voice. Um, I can always tell when someone is just being very genuine, um, whether it's an illustrated work or they're writing about, you know, they're writing a self-help book. Um, it's very clear from the get-go when they really care about it and when it's coming from a very genuine place. That always kind of hits for me. Because, um, you know, authentic writing is always better writing. Because you know, we're all just trying, we're communicating we're trying to touch somebody else with whatever we're putting out. So it's always going to be better when it's authentic. Um, but no, it's always just one of those things that you read it and it's like, oh, this is, you know, about whatever. It's, you know, a, a parenting book. But then there's like this extra thing that makes you go, oh. And it's, someone, it's, it's in that moment when you're just getting the pitch and you go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's like, oh. Yeah. It's that kind of light bulb moment. But it's kind of unquantifiable, I think. And it's very different for every person. I agree with Amanda. I really love a strong hook and a strong angle. If I can be talking to an editor at a bar and say, it's Titanic meets <laughs> oh, no. Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Wow, that was specific. <laughs> wow. If I can, you know, or if I can say, like, Bridges of Menace Academy meets Jaws. Leo DiCaprio would win I mean, another Oscar for this. Like, you know, if I can, uh, yeah, like Bridges of Madison County meets, meets Jaws. Meets Jaws. <laughs> with meets underwater basket weaving. Yeah, <laughs> with, with basket. Underwater. Because um, Jaws. <laughs> the sharks are the underwater. The sharks are weaving. A shark must find this basket or else. <laughs> But if I can if I can see that strong hook or I have those great comp titles, that's really gonna gonna draw me in. And then what gets me to finish the manuscript, which which gets me to finish the query and then request the manuscript in the first place, is that voice, just as Amanda said. Mm-hmm. And um, for platform, I mean for nonfiction, like basically Amanda is gonna be really nice and she's gonna say like, oh, of course you don't have to have like tons of platforms oh no you only oh. have to have like, ten thousand twitter followers or whatever oh, and oh, yeah, that's on the thing. my end i'm like come on bring bring me the bring platform the yeah bring, <laughs> bring me all the action <laughs> but you know um in in my class that i teach for gotham i always say there's no such thing as too much platform 
you most people bring me a project and either it's it's not a great fit or the project is great but they don't have enough platform and on my end again Amanda's going to not say like oh no I reject solely on platform but it's true I've gotten passes because they're like this project is great but in nonfiction, platform really does matter. I, so I'm going to look at your Instagram followers and I'm going to look at your Twitter followers and say, like, can they have the, do they have the network to reach people? Okay, just to be the annoying person that's going to make everyone question themselves, <laughs> I have sent out a book and, like, maybe half the editors are like, what an amazing platform, and half are like, not enough platform. And they were big five editors, all of them. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, what big platform is, is sort of nebulous. Like, yeah, it is. Like, yeah. all of publishing think it was subjective just term. <laughs> yeah, you think numbers would be summer, objective, yeah. but they're not. I think summer wins. Like, even in publishing, hard data is subjective. We're bad at math. <laughs> We're bad at data. We're bad at math. I can't remember who I was talking to earlier today, but we said something like publishing is like being on a really, really fast roller coaster, except half of the track is missing, and the only oh. way to get across the track is to close your eyes and just go runaway train, except the actual car is on fire, and the track is on fire, <laughs> and you're on fire, and the track is going straight into hell. Good thing you're a fireman. There's Not to put too fine a point on it. Good thing the car is being driven by a fireman and an angel, even if it's terrifying. Even if you're going to hell, you're already on fire, so you're halfway there. But it's and funny. you've got some marshmallows to roast. When yeah. you make it over that big jump, like, woohoo! You know what I mean? So then what? What do you land in? Oh, but see, what they don't tell you is once an you underwater bath <laughs> Once you get over that jump, there's like ten feet of track before you have to go over the next oh yeah you're like wait i'm still on track i'm still on track when something gonna happen still on track still on track still waiting still waiting still on track still waiting on fire and i'm on track game over out of boredom all right i have a cute question from twitter about middle grade uh my upper mg work in progress has a strong crush with lots of feels building to a kiss can it still be middle grade thank you oh and that is from sarah floyd how is that? Not middle grade. Lady. Yeah. Kissing is fine for middle grade, especially if it's upper middle grade. If you're like 12 to 14. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I don't want to get into like kids these days, but like, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Those youngins, you <laughs> having way more fun than I did at that age. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. Oh, these kids these days with these ripped off shirts like they're from the 80s oh good god <laughs> i didn't wear a shirt I, like that today shut up <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about i don't i don't either it's not like i own any of those yeah. no not at all that's shut up Sh- you shut up <laughs> <laughs> you're okay the one so with all the you got a question Yes, let's go to this next question. Um, there's It's sort of a two-part question. The first part of it is for Amanda, and it's sort of like, what's the timeline for a typical nonfiction project from the time that it's um, sort of per, like bought by you and then, like I guess, to the shelf? And then the other t- part of the timeline question is for the agents, and it's about how long is too long if you're working on a revision for your agent. So a couple timeline questions. Amanda, why don't you start us off? Sure. Um... I'd say 12 to 18 months is pretty typical. Um, usually 
our contract standard um, at Penguin Random House is, I think, 18 months from acceptance of the completed manuscript is usually um, our like final final deadline. But typically, we're saying like about a year from um, delivery of the final manuscript, we're gonna try and have a book out. Um, Obviously, we want to give you time to write it because nonfiction, we're not buying the finished book. Um, so we're not going to demand it in like two months. Um, <laughs> usually it's, you know, like we give you, well, it depends on the book, but, you know, six or so. It depends, again, on the where, how far you are into it, all of that. But um, usually it's about a year. Um, you know, you'll write it. Um, I'll take it in, do edits, write you an edit letter um talk it over with you you'll do revisions i'll get it back look it over one more time as long as everything's good that's when we'll pass it to press and like things then that's when kind of a lot of stuff starts rolling at the same time and all of a sudden you're getting cover comps and meeting with your publicist and all of that and it gets a little bit overwhelming so, um, yeah so what is your typical turnaround time on the revision part um i try to do it within a month um that's so fast it is wow I, I'm not getting so many manuscripts at once um, if all goes to plan and everyone turns in on time that um, I'm not, uh, I, I try to space things out so that I have the time to just kind of sit with one thing. And also, I don't want to leave someone sitting forever with it, um, um, just waiting for me to get notes back. Um, so, yeah, it's usually about a month. And then I try to, like, I'll give the author about a month to do the revisions, depending, again, on how extensive they are. If they're super extensive, it'd be longer. Um, and, and what kind of revisions? Like, yeah. uh, if it's yeah. just like a quick change of comment, yeah, exactly. character. Yeah, you know, if I did <laughs> line edits, then it's <laughs> Right. We're actually going to turn this diet book into <laughs> life <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the diet, yeah. all angel feathers. We're gonna pass it over to Razorbell, and they're just gonna take it from here. We'll have no problem with that. It'll be fine. Yeah, we're just gonna like turn this, you know, how to build a house book into a romance erotica. Yeah. Without a house, out in the open. Oh. Oh, but then they get arrested. Sorry, Amanda. Sorry, Amanda. Tension. Okay, so this goes right into the question by @caddyb3 on Twitter. Is there a time limit for your R and R when you are doing a revision for an agent, whether it's a pre-signed revision or post-signed revision? How long is too long to work on this revision? Depends what it is. Tell them how long. Um, for an R and R before signing, before you're my client, I'm actually um, working on writing this up. Uh, if I see it before two weeks, I'm going to be very suspicious that you did not go deep enough, that you did not go uh, really and research and consider my notes because I'm usually going to, if I'm asking for an R&R, it's going to be very extensive notes or it's going to require a lot of intensive changes and they just can't be done in two weeks. You have to sleep, you have to eat, <laughs> You have to poop. You have to do all these things. Pooping that sweaters. require not being. Uh, oh, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get invited back to Peacock TV <laughs> for season three. That's for damn sure. Season finale. <laughs> um, for a client, it again, it sort of depends on 
my schedule, what I'm unsure that Jessica and Amanda can back me up, I seem to get manuscripts all at the same time. Like people just send me five manuscripts at the same time. And I'm like, holy crap, I have so much to do. That always happens to me too. And so I, I, again, one of my styles of communication is like, I'm so glad you sent this. I have four manuscripts in my queue. Hmm. It might take me a little bit longer to get to yours than if you were in the first position. Mm. And, and then people aren't, you know, waiting on bated breath for me to turn it around very quickly. They're I, like, okay, I have some time. I try to give people estimates and I try to get them to give me estimates. So for yeah. example, today, um, I asked a team that's working together on a project. I don't want to give too much away, but it's awesome. You okay? Yeah. I'm okay. All I'm right. Gonna blow my nose. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so, um, I was like, okay, when, when are we going to have this draft? All right. End of May. Okay. So we're going to, you're going to ha- send it to me on a Monday. I'm going to have a talk with you on a Thursday, you know, just a way to schedule it. I know that's ridiculously type A. This is super controlling. I apologize to the team in advance, but they're going with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just the sort of thing you need to, like, plan everything out. So you can be like, okay, well, I'm going to get it this time. We're going to spend a couple weeks on revision. Then we're going to probably send it out in early June. I've already sent out some feelers to people in that genre of, like, hey, who do you know who wants something like this? This is a way to plan ahead. Amanda, you're nodding. Yes, tell us. Yeah. Um, I mean, just in general, um, my thought is it goes back to what I was saying about I try to be super communicative as an editor, too, of, like, you know, I have – in addition to like editing responsibilities, you have, you know, meetings, you know, you have, you know, X, Y, Z things that you need to do for the publisher, for your other editors. Um, so I think you need to, like, go outside, get some vitamin yeah. D. <laughs> like, you know. keep, so it's just important to keep the lines of communication open and just, you know, if I'm running behind, like, it's not like I, I want to assure any writer that like I, I, and I think most people are not forgetting when we owe you things. We remember right. when something's due to you and, yeah. you know, I will try my very best to email you if I know I'm going to be late and say like, it's going to be Monday instead of Friday. I'm sorry. Yeah. And here's yeah. why. And uh, it doesn't mean that we don't like your manuscript anymore. No. It doesn't oh, no. mean oh, that God, we hate no. you as a person. It just means like my cat is throwing up. No, right. I, I, I always worry people no. think it's like I could have manuscripts or I'm no. on the couch eating bonbons watching TV. Like I always assume people think I'm on the couch eating bonbons watching TV. I don't know what a bonbon is. I assume it's, it's like a spherical chocolate. It's ice cream with chocolate. But is it spherical? I thought yeah. it was like okay. a like a truffle. Okay. I think I it's like, like a little cream puff pastry. I don't know what is going it? On. Yeah, but does like, anybody actually know what a bonbon is? Housewives have been accused of eating that shit for like 40 years. I don't have a clue what it is. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Even like earlier, because it's in like Chicago, a, the musical. Yeah, like a, <laughs> like a little musical. Okay, <laughs> 10 points for whoever <laughs> tells us what an actual bonbon is. Yes, 10 yeah, bonbons. Twitter, Twitter, show us what you got. Come through for us, Twitter. <laughs> Can you see that? Oh, that's, what's, that that's a bonbon. Wow. How do you have that? What is I, that? I just, Googled, I just Googled, I Googled it on no, my phone. That's like a that looks like truffles. Yeah, that looks like cupcakes. 
I call shenanigans. That looks like smashed cinnamon rolls. I just, I call shenanigans. This came up too. I don't know what. Oh my god. Came up too. So I don't know. Step away from the brony hole, there, buddy. Are you a secret brony, Ted? He is so. He's a not so secret brony. This is this is more like the spherical. That spherical. makes more sense. That it's makes yeah. more sense. Chocolate. Yeah, eat that. I like it. <laughs> it's a spherical chocolate. Senior token <laughs> male correspondent in the field getting answers. I, oh, that's right. Slow hard work. Oh, this, this yeah. is actually this is Bon Bon brand. So that's like real. Twitter came through in the clutch. She's got a really nice looking gift going on Twitter. Oh, I love the gifts. I'm mm. such a whore for the Thank gifts. you, Ozma. We love you. Oh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. We're just gonna watch this mm. gift for a while. It's been really nice talking <laughs> to you all. <laughs> all right, Ted, do you have another question for us? I do. Uh, this one, I, I remember going having this exact thought process when I was looking for an agent. If you sent a query. To one agent in an agency and haven't heard anything, is it safe to send to another agent in the same agency? The website for this particular agency was not specific about that. This comes from Kara, a.k.a. at Coffee is Love on Twitter. That's a good question. And it's kind of things that keep conscientious writers up at night when they're querying, for sure. I think it depends how long it's been. I think you I mean, can look yeah. at that agency's website and be like, okay, standard response time, add a third to that after that fair game. Well, I mean, also, as an agency, if we like a project but it's not a good fit for us, we will share. What if we'll, your server eats it? Ah, uh, I always say, have a good amount of time. I like, you know, whatever the agent's response time plus a third. And just be honest. Like, I queried, you know, agent X, but they didn't respond, so now I'm querying you, agent Y. And that way, like... I can turn and say, like, oh, Agent X, did you get this? And they'll be like, oh, no, I love it. And I'll be like, oh, you were supposed to have it first. Or, like, no, I'm going to fight you in a cage match. Like, you know, whatever. Why the cages? So all here for the cages. I don't know. Never stop. Like, never change. you got to keep the – Keep it contained? Yeah. Otherwise, it spills out into the audience and it becomes a riot. I have a random question about that, actually. Cages? Does that make you look – down on it at all thinking okay so this other agent had it and it wasn't wowy enough to like hook them in to at least read it does that I think like, they were busy I would I think just they think were they were busy or ask maybe that because like, that's something that I would freak out about by trying to talk to somebody else and they'd be like oh my god they're gonna think I'm a big loser because the other person ignored me so okay, I think anytime you don't hear from someone even peripherally related to publishing assume they're busy yeah for like six months, and then <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Um, I was listening they to Chuck no Sanchino talk about when to follow up on a pitch for writing articles, and typically you're supposed to follow up every three months. And he used the example of this woman. She didn't follow up three months. She followed up six months. Hmm. And the editor was so apologetic that it had, it had gone on for six months that he read her query right away. Hmm. So the key is to be conscientious that we are extremely busy. We're not trying to be jerks. We're not, we're not out to get you as a person. Sometimes as a, a 
Summer pointed out it falls through the internet cracks. It doesn't get to us. Oh my gosh, no, there's just, the quantity's insane. It's like that game show where they, like, throw money in a little, like, cyclone, Mm -hmm. or when you're on Miracle 4th Street, and they're, like, dumping letters on the desk, and you're like, I have one day to read all of these. It's just ridiculous. Like, I mean, the fact that we get back to, like, 95% of people is kind of amazing. Oh, I don't. I have no response to know. Okay. I try to get back to people because I feel like my server is hungry and eats everything. What was that, Summer? I said that was brutal. The no response means no. Uh, But but you know that, you know, if it's not a good fit within eight weeks, you're not – it's sort of the same thing of, like, you're not – I, I don't want to keep someone on the hook. See, and I mm. think, and, and that's fine. Like saying no response means no within eight weeks. You have a countdown, you know. But I've seen a lot of agents saying exactly. no response means that's no. time. And then literally, I remember mm. once a year and a half after I signed with my first agent, I got a rejection from a no response means no agent. And I'm like, really? Oh. Like, so that's your level of no response means no timeline. But wow. like I get busyness and stuff, but that was brutal. Well, though, I've also heard the story, uh, an agent, you know, contacted an editor, didn't respond. They had an offer. They accepted the offer. They published the book. And once the book was already published with a different house, an editor passed on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> Amanda's like, I'd never do that. I kind of like, that was me. <laughs> I would think it would be super organized. No. I imagine Amanda, Amanda like, has, like, color-coded folders. Uh, <laughs> if she hasn't, like, digitized everything and it's perfect already. I love with my favorite thing. Yes. I want, I want to see Amanda's this is This is how I want to imagine Amanda. Yeah. I'm not going to ruin this illusion. I'm just going to let it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if everyone like posted a screenshot of their inbox? They'd look at mine and be like, oh. "Be like it's multicolored, but there's way too much stuff in there." <laughs> my inbox, according to my phone, literally says, "I don't know if you can see it, that I have almost twenty-five thousand unread emails right now." Mm-hmm. So cry, squee, just. Yeah. Am I yeah, the I'm only? Not log into my query account because it would just be depressing. So that's why I tweet my hashtag JS Query Status. <laughs> Um, yeah, really behind. Am I the only person that, like, does inbox zero for their personal inbox? No, that's zero. My husband has zero. Well, because I have folders, and, like, I mean, I categorize, so it's really just compartmentalizing the crap. I would sooner do whole 30 than I would do inbox zero. I wish I could. It is such a life goal. Oh. No. I strive. I am trying to get there, Kelsey. No. I can cartwheel in my inbox. It's amazing. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, well, I can dive into my inbox and have a ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, well, I can imagine myself as Buffy staking stuff as a fake exercise class that should totally be a franchise. But, oh, like, yes. God, I would invest in that. Let's keep I know, seriously. Something. Oh, you know what it should be? Okay, so we were talking about how there should be, like, a cheese and a, like, staking company. It'd be, like, Cheese Productions uh, LLC. Nice. I did it there. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you yeah, did. I did. Yeah, I was, like, watching a cheese van go by today from Murray's Cheese, and I was like, yeah, yeah, fresh, stinky, whatever, and then, like, almost crashed into a doorman. It was fantastic. Nice. This was my morning. We all so, have our priorities. The doorman would understand. So before the doorman would understand. 
Before no, Kelsey's Jessica... trying to rank us. Okay, okay. So before Jessica gives away any more million-dollar ideas, we're going to go ahead and call it on this wonderful episode of Pub Talk TV. So thank you guys so much for watching. On behalf of me, Kelsey Mackey, and Ted, and Summer, and Jessica, and Rosie, and Amanda, thank you guys for being here, and we'll see you next time, next season, on Pub Talk TV. Bye! Thank you for listening to Pub Talk TV. For more episodes, go to pubtalktv.com. That's pubtalktv.com.